Welcome to the Dead Format. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the basher of browbeats, Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Uh, we don't need to bring that up again. I had to cut like 10 minutes of me saying how bad that card was last week, and I didn't even bring up the fact that it couldn't hit creatures that it just hits players. That's the best part about it, honestly. You're right. You don't have any, you don't have any decisions to make. Just go to the face. Exactly. The decisions are all your opponents. <laughs> that is that is true. So, yeah, how was your week, man? Did you get to play any Legacy? So I got to play a little bit online. I was screwing around with a few lists. Nothing really conclusive, but I actually got to play Paper Magic. My wife let me go to... I hate to say that, man, but really, that's, <laughs> that's how it is. My wife let me go to the midnight pre-release and not count it toward my magic budget because my kid was already asleep and I was up with him in the morning. So Friday night I went to go play in the midnight release and I was up with my kid at 5:45 in the morning the next morning. It was awesome. So did you get to sleep in between or did you just power through it? A little bit, but not not too much. There's a local game cafe with a full bar and food that hosts magic tournaments a a town away from me it's called the castle and it's in beverly mass and it's one of my favorite places to play magic it's not as large as some of the other game stores in the area like it doesn't really compare to gaming etc for competitive play but for things like pre-releases it's perfect i got five or six shipyards over the course of the pre-release, they they closed the bar at 1 o'clock, so that's when I had to stop. Chicken fingers, onion rings, and some magic, and I had a great time. Yeah, that sounds greasy, man. So how'd you do? Uh, so I only played two rounds. My neighbor, who I went with, had to be up for work, so we just decided we were only going to play two. So I, I scooped to my opponents, because I was really just there to, to hang out and play cards. I chose Boros as the guild. My pool my pool was solid. I probably would have finished 3 and 1 if I stayed for the whole thing, but it wasn't wasn't really worth not being able to get any sleep, so we packed it up and went home. Yeah, for sure. I had like a really interesting experience where in my first two rounds I played against a kid who was probably like 13 14 years old in the middle of high school and he was actually there with his dad and i got to play him and his dad in back-to-back rounds before i left and it's it's amazing to think that there are are families that sort of go and do this as an activity and i'm like kind of pumped for my kid to get older so i can start to teach him how to cast brainstorms the right way yeah, my wife has already told me that our kids are not allowed to play magic, so. Well, she knows how much how she knows how expensive it is. But you can sort of slide that off like, "Honey, it's okay. I have all the cards. It's going to be fine." For the record, she absolutely does not know how expensive it is, so don't uh, accidentally drop that sometime. Uh, I won't. <laughs> so, yeah, I also got to drink and play magic this weekend. I know we're a legacy cast, and some people are probably like this motherfucker's about to start talking about old school again. But you're going to have to deal with it for the next two minutes because uh, LobsterCon was this weekend, and it was just absolutely amazing. 
we had, uh, I think, 94 players show up and probably close to that many liters of alcohol consumed between like whiskey and Narragansetts and everything else at the bar. Now, did did the venue have the bar open, like staffed, or did everybody just bring their own? No, no, dude, it was staffed bar. That's outstanding. Yeah, it was in Somerville. It was a VFW. Yeah, I'm really at a loss for words, like explaining the event. Like the energy in the room was just so much different than your typical magic tournament. We had people coming from California. I had an opponent from Wisconsin, Chicago, Quebec, Ottawa, DC. And they all came here and they obviously put serious thought and love into their decks. Like there were a lot of passion projects you saw. And they all came here to this event that had no prize pool. Like this wasn't a 5K or like a, even a 1K. This was basically just a charity fundraiser. And so Dave Firth Bard, who's like the patron saint of New England old school, he set up this event. He did an amazing job with this event first and foremost. And he set it up as like a partnership with a Room to Grow charity, which provides clothes and toys and all sorts of stuff for underprivileged children and we ended up giving thousands of dollars not in a prize pool but as donations to room to grow and there's there's no way to say this without sounding like a dick so i'm just gonna go for it like sometimes you just leave magic tournaments feeling dirty right it could be a bigger or small tournament like a grand prix or like you know just a, a eight man or whatever uh, whether you win or lose, it's just like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Like, what the hell am I doing with my life when you're leaving, you know? Yeah, where it sort of just gets to be a grind and you're not enjoying yourself. You sort of feel like the game isn't the way that it used to be. And you have those, like, questions on whether or not you're doing the right thing by playing. I think I think we've all been there, right? Yeah, I guess so. It's not something people really talk about a lot, but it, it's definitely the way I've felt a lot. And this was just the complete, total opposite of that. Everyone was super, super cool, everybody. And having a great time, chilled out, drinking, raised thousands of dollars for a wonderful charity. And it was just a beautiful thing, basically. Sounds like a great event. Yeah, man. I wish you could have played, too. We had a lot of the, a lot of people that you probably know from the Legacy community. Jim, a.k.a. Jim Not Dredge. Dan Corsi, Dan Paulson, our buddy DJ Seco is there. Our recent guest, Rich Shea, Tim, Ryan, Dylan, Michelle from Gaming Etc. was vending. Yep. Jeff Menges, the the magic artist, was there, which was just amazing. Yeah, my uh, I know I know Dan Paulson and my buddy Steve Hartford was there too. I yep, got Steve. A, yeah, I got an email saying that I would have a spot if I would be able to make it. And because the SCG got canceled in Philly, I sort of used my magic budget days to go to the Grand Prix in Montreal. So I had a choice between those two. And while I would have loved to be able to make LobsterCon, I didn't didn't want to miss a Grand Prix. Yeah, understandable. And that spot went to good use anyway. I think Dylan Barfield ended up with your spot, which was great. He's just a newcomer to the format. And yeah, no spots were wasted. We were at full capacity. So shout, you know, so much respect to Dave for organizing all this. And yeah, next year you got to show up, man. Sounds great. Yeah, it sounds like he did a great job. And I've heard nothing but glowing things about the tournament. 
and it really is a challenge to put on an event like that. So shout out to Michelle and Jerry and Pat and Wilson for the last Leaving a Legacy tournament. They have another one coming up in November, and I can't wait to go. Dude, yeah. When is that? November 20, 21st, maybe? It's November 17th. Yeah, November 17th. I'm definitely looking forward to that, man. I can't wait to blast the dead format intro music into the room that they're streaming from. <laughs> yeah, so is that the next big tournament that you think you'll be playing in? Uh, you're not going to Eternal Weekend, right? No, I made the decision not to go to Eternal Weekend. I don't want to sort of borrow too many days from me playing Magic in the future. I know that I'm going to be at the TJ's 10K in October. It's going to be at the DCU Center, and they have a 10K modern main event, and also either a 1K or a 2.5K legacy side event. So I'm definitely going to be playing in the main event, and then playing in the legacy event if I have time to. Wait, this is in October? I didn't even know about this. Yeah, so Tom has been talking to people who have played in his tournaments in the past about it. It's October 20th at the DCU Center. So that's that's an event that I am definitely going to be there at. I've played in Tom's events since I was 18 years old. It's been it's been a long time. Yeah, that's 25 years, right? Uh, not quite. <laughs> I'm just fucking. Yeah, it's close. Just about just about 20. Actually, more than 20. Almost 21. Yeah, man. Tom Tom does it up, and I'll definitely try to go to the legacy if it's like a sunday thing i guess so i'm not sure if he is doing a two-day event i think it's all going to be one day i believe the legacy side event is scheduled to start midday yeah i think that's a great idea honestly and unfortunately i actually have to uh christening for my nephew that day that saturday so i don't think i'll be able to make it good luck to everybody who's playing in it i'm sure we'll be talking about it i will be there representing yeah, I'll probably do better than I would have anyway, so. Uh, I don't know. Crushed You crushed Lobster Con. I did not crush Lobster Con. I went 4-3. I audible Dex with like one hour left before Dex submission. Just threw a bunch of cards together. I played Plateau in my Savannah deck, or my uh, Bayou deck. It was just a mess, man. I was playing all the cards. And I went 4-3. And I, I strictly punted the round after lunch because I had all this food in my stomach and I had just stopped drinking, which sounds like it would actually make you play better, but it made me play a lot worse. I just wanted to fall asleep. I definitely should have hit the bar before that round. It's like when you're, when you're driving fast, you hit a curve, you actually want to accelerate through the curve. As soon as you stop drinking, that's when you start to notice. If you just kept it going, I think you would have been fine. Yeah, I could have powered right through that. I ended up, it was funny, I strip-mined uh, Mishra's workshop when we were both hellbent, and he had a, li a Library of Alexandria in play. And then I never drew a white source before he was up to seven cards and just buried me. So I deserve that. Yep, I don't know what to say. Yeah, so all around, just an amazing event. So yeah, the, the Leaving a Legacy 1K, we got Eternal Weekend coming up. But otherwise, it's kind of like a, a bit of a drought. Like, there's no Grand Prix or Star Cities. I think we get the Grand Prix schedule this week, right? Well, I've been waiting on that for a while. I'm not sure when the official announcement goes up. 
we had a banned and restricted announcement today that didn't give us anything, which I'm thankful for. But I'm excited to see what Grand Prix's, what the Grand Prix schedule is going to be for next year. Because there's a lot of stuff up in the air with American GP attendance being down. I know that I said that I was really excited to go to the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend, but you know how we had the conversation about how we talked about how the Canadian Grand Prix, you just got so much more stuff. That must be like province or format specific because I just registered for Montreal and there's no extra stuff you get. We're not getting any extra packs. You're not getting a hat. Maybe it was just Toronto that they had to do that or the fact that it was a constructed tournament. So they gave you two draft sets, but we don't get anything extra for playing in Montreal except for the Canadian exchange rate, and I'm kind of disappointed. Dude, it looked like we actually got a playmat with Channel Fireball and, like, a, a maple leaf on it. I was actually thinking, like, I would rather not have that than have it. Like, I'm definitely throwing that away right away. It's about what you're putting out in the world, right? And, like, Channel Fireball doesn't seem to have our back right now, so I don't want to be giving them free advertising. Yeah, man. <laughs> so did you look at the results from this week for the challenge? Yeah, so... The challenge, so how can I say this? Last week, when we when we started the cast, I was so exhausted just from getting a bunch of work done over the weekend, being up with my kid. I was just drained by the end of the day when we started the cast. And I had a ton of thoughts that I wanted to like succinctly communicate about how I thought that the SCG results were kind of stale and lagged because there was a ton of death shadow not a ton of miracles and the top 32 just seemed kind of strange for the format that i thought that we were in and this week's challenge just sort of reinforced that idea ak miracles everywhere the winning deck of the tournament is karn drazi with a bunch of large Eldrazi backed up by Karn. And Karn really, really is starting to break through in decks that aren't just Steel Stompy. And I think that the fact that in this challenge there was only one Death Shadow deck in the top 32 just sort of shows that Death Shadow might not really be as strong as the SCG results sort of pinned it up to be. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think Death Shadow, that they are who, who we thought they were, you know, and they got let off the hook at the SCG. I, I completely agree. I didn't really follow where you were going last week with that, but I totally understand what you meant now. This is way more where I expected that the format was right now. Like this challenge, and also last week's challenge, to be fair, was more like what I think of as being the best decks in Legacy and then the decks that are going to try to prey on those decks that work their way into the top eight, like the good metagame calls. I agree. I listened to our last week's cast, and before we actually got to the set review, I just, I was really kind of disappointed in how unclearly I communicated what I wanted to say about the SCG results, but I think this pretty much clears it up. Yeah, man, I was with you. I kind of was sleepwalking through that, so... I think that this Karn Drazi deck is possibly the most efficient mashup. Like, I really like this build, basically. The 
colorless Eldrazi, and then the bigger Eldrazi post decks we've been talking about. This deck, I feel like, is taking the best parts of both of those decks. The things that I'm most afraid of coming from like a mid-range fair blue standpoint. This is like the mashup of everything that I'm afraid of. I would agree with that. When you take a look at what this deck has, it really does seem like it's not only Miracle's worst nightmare, but Grixis Control as well. And if you can kind of pick off those two decks, you're in a very, very good spot right now. Yeah, and you have four Chalices, obviously, two Spyglasses, and then your sideboard with the four Ley Lines. So this is not giving up that equity against combo, but you have these fair deck cards like the four Matter Shapers, the Thought Not Seers, the four Walking Ballistas, the two Karns as like the colorless Jace. I feel like this deck is is just probably a nightmare to deal with. And two all is dust in the main too, which is huge because it's like such a big catch up against true name and stuff like that. Yep. I think the only thing that really sticks out to me as being interesting, something worth thinking about is the fact that there's only two reality smasher that the, the cut to get Sorceress Spyglass into the main deck is what some people would consider to be the second best creature in the deck next to Thought Nazir. So it's funny, when you're playing against the colorless Eldrazi deck, I'm always crossing my fingers on like the penultimate turn. Like, please don't have a Reality Smasher. You know, you're trying to fade that that Cavern of Souls into Reality Smasher turn at the end. And now when you're playing against this bigger Eldrazi deck, I find I'm most often thinking... Please don't have an Endbringer. Like, please only have a Reality Smasher because this deck doesn't really put pressure on your life the same way. And I feel like it's not at its best in this deck, honestly. I I kind of agree with, I think, what this person was probably thinking when they built this deck, maxing out the Endbringers rather than the Smashers. It might just be where we're at right now. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So did you see the ninth place list? Oh, the Noble Bug list. We had a Noble Bug list very similar to what we talked about last week finish up in ninth place. Every time I see a Noble Hierarch deck, I get kind of excited because that's really that's that's a place where I feel really comfortable being in. And I'm not quite sure how effective that strategy is with all of the miracles that's running around because noble hierarch does kind of get outclassed by terminus but i absolutely love this list finishing in ninth just missing out on top eight on breakers bro what do you think about two stifle two assassins trophy so i feel like there is a there's an anti-synergy between a stone rain and a path to exile Now, obviously, they're more flexible than I just made them out to be, and I'm kind of simplifying the situation, but I don't don't like that mix unless you're really trying to metagame that stifle to stop Terminus, and I think that is a smart place to be. So if you're including stifle in your list as a one-mana counter to Terminus, I'm all for it. I used to do that when I played Bant. Or the four-color Stoneblade deck that I played for for quite a long time, but I'm not I'm not really sold 
on Stifle's place as sort of the classic Stifle. That makes a lot of sense. I wasn't really thinking about that, but to stop Terminus? Yes. I, I feel like in this deck, you're probably weak to Terminus. You're you're leaning on True Name and Leovold. Yeah, and you have Jit. And Noble Hierarch, right? I, I feel like the Jit really isn't for that matchup. That's just a card that game one against non-Grixis decks is just lights out if you're trying to play a fair matchup. But having the Stifles in the main deck, one, they can be flexible if you think about them in terms of being a counter for a Terminus. But I I don't think that this deck would really want Stifle and only three days if Terminus wasn't something that was in the front of this person's mind. That's a great point, and I think you're probably right about that. And just in terms of general deck-building principles, I don't object to them being in the same list together, but I would think if you're going max stifles or, you know, some number greater than one of stifles that you'd want to be, like, max one trophy, and vice versa, right? Like, you could have a gotcha stifle. And at least pick up the full playset of days. Right. Yeah, agreed, 100%. So, another list that I I had to I had to do a double take on and actually a triple take because I saw a card that I had never seen before in this list. Did you see the almost Canadian Highlander list that finished in 13th place? Bro, so this card, this tainted pact, this card is the most confusing card I've ever read. I'm not even sure what it does. I'm reading it right now. Can you explain this? Yes. Okay. So it is an instant for one in a black. And what it allows you to do is just flip the top card of your library into exile. All right. Now, each time you flip it, you can choose to put that card in your hand. All right. Unless... It has the the name of another card that you exiled with it. You keep on flipping until you either take a card or you flip another card with the same name. So let's say you play Tainted Pact and you flip Island. You can take the Island and put it in your hand or you can flip another card. Now if you flip another Island, it's another card with the same name. They both get exiled. You get nothing. This player whatever mad person they are just played one of everything except for a second tainted pack because if you're casting one there's only one left in their deck so the lands are one ofs all of the creatures are one ofs everything is a one of except for the tainted pack because it allows you to make that a sort of demonic consultation and originally when i saw this list i thought that it must have some sort of lab maniac kill where you can just exile your entire deck and then try to draw with an empty library. But really, it is a value-based mess of cube cards that I still don't know how they can formulate a game plan for every matchup other than your opponent is going to have no idea what cards you have in your hand because you have one of every playable card in those colors. Dude, it's so weird because they're not even bullets, these cards. 
because I think you get into a position where if you're trying to dig for a bullet and it's too far down, those cards stay exiled, right? So you'd end up decking yourself. Unless you put together the engineered explosives, the, what's the land? The one that's not in here, Academy Ruins? Ooh, yeah, the one that they can't, yep, that can't be put together because it's not here. There's none of the bullets, like the two-card combos you'd ex- that I was expecting to see when I first looked at this list. I mean, there's, you know, there's Wasteland Crucible, but there's not even like a Mist Hollow Griffin. If you're going to be exiling your whole deck, like, and you're a value deck, wouldn't you want a Mist Hollow Griffin? I don't know. I feel like Glenlanger Archmage was sick the last time I drafted it in cube. <laughs> yeah, whatever this person's doing, I'm in no position to critique because obviously they did well with this deck. I have no idea what the fuck is going on right now. And it's got to be such a blast to play. Certainly. It might just be worth it to play like four brainstorms and just know you have to stop when you hit a brainstorm as the price to pay for that. I mean, maybe. Or, or you could play brainstorm and ponder and preordain and portent and never have to stop. This deck isn't even playing Ponder, right? It doesn't need a second Brainstorm. Holy shit, I didn't even realize that. This is insanity, man. This deck had five wins. Maybe everything we know about Legacy is a lie. Why are we even doing a podcast? This person needs to... They need to enlighten me. Yeah, like, so they play a... Let's say your opponent plays a turn one Chalice. Like, you're not going to be able to force it. But you don't even fucking care because you have six one drops in your deck. Like this is, this is kind of a nightmare to try to play against too. Yeah, somebody plays a chalice against you on turn one, and that's fine because you can just pass until turn two and play your Jace Friends Prodigy and bounce the chalice with your Vencer on turn four into your one drops. I don't know how to. I don't know how to say how much looking at this list makes me happy but it makes me happy it's like somebody took their trade binder shuffled it all together played the deck this could have been this is almost a tiny leader's deck man other than vencer this is insanity it is absolute insanity so more insanity did you see the mono red storm bonus round list so you mentioned this to me last week and again today and i had no idea what you're talking about so you want to walk me through this one all right so bonus round was a card out of battle 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 something the set that was out for like a week and nobody bought battle for zendikar no not that one people bought that but only for the expeditions the cards were crap this set was battle bond battle Battle Bond. bond Wizards did a very good job of designing, but they they just either didn't print enough of it or it was out so close to one of their other sets that nobody got a chance to actually enjoy it. And bonus round is a red sorcery that costs one and two red. And until the end of the turn, it copies every instant or sorcery spell that gets played. So in a deck with a lot of red rituals and burning wishes and past in flames, you can double all of your rituals and your cantrips on your combo turn. And it allows you to play Ancient Tomb 
and ruby medallion to reduce the cost of all of your rituals further. So I saw a screen grab of, I believe, this player playing it online a few weeks ago, and there were uh, four or five copies of bonus round on the stack. And with all of the storm copies for the spell that was being played at the end, it filled up the entire screen with the stack. At that moment, I knew that I needed to get my hands on these cards so I could play them, and Mana Traders didn't let me down. So you played this deck? No, I uh, I thought about renting it on Mana Traders, and instead I just bought like 100 copies on TCG Player. So I'm going to cut this from the cast, but this deck is the shit. Everybody needs to go out and buy bonus rounds right now. What's crazy, too, is there's no Grape Shot in the main. It's just a Burning Wish. Well, this deck is only playing three Rite of Flame in the main deck. The reason that there's one in the sideboard is so you can wish for it on a combo turn. Yeah, no, exactly. I understand that part. But, like, the no Grape Shot main just seems... I guess it makes sense because you have, you have four Burning Wishes in your main deck. So when you said bonus round to me, I thought it was just some cute term for, like, those cards, like, final fortune or glorious end that give you like extra turns after your current turn and you have to win the game that turn i didn't even realize this was a real card it is and i had to look it up when i saw the screen grab last week yeah i heard no hype about this card at all well now you heard it dead format bonus round hype get your ruby medallions and bonus rounds now so this kind of reminds me of Thousand Year Storm. Yeah, but better, right? Like you could, this is a red-blue list that you could play Thousand Year Storm in, but Thousand Year Storm just seems kind of slow. No, I agree with that. And you don't want to be drawing extra copies of Thousand Year Storm either. When we talked about it last week, I was thinking it was a sorcery. It, I didn't realize it was an enchantment, and that kind of changes everything about it that i previously thought yeah if it was a sorcery then having a one-of copy in your sideboard for burning wish could potentially be very good i feel like if you are looking for a six mana sorcery out of your board with burning wish you can probably just win the game with something better but it would be interesting if it was a sorcery having it be an enchantment and not be tutorable with wish is kind of rough yeah for sure so I think the wrap-up from the challenge is that Miracles is everywhere. You can still play some crazy stuff and do well. And the online and paper metagames are really kind of divergent with Shadow kind of not dominating, but really doing much better at the SCG than it has in the online tournaments with only one Shadow deck being in the top 32. Did the Elves deck in the challenge play that card? play assassin's trophy no it, it did have two in the sideboard assassin's trophy i was talking about the green the uh glimpse of nature card oh hold on that was no but i see the one ofs in this deck and i'm not seeing it there's lanoir elves elvish mystic uh scavenging ooze and rex sage okay yeah it did not play that card so we saw assassin's trophy show up i saw goblin crater maker and i saw the new rabble master that might be it for the new set. Or actually, I saw the new like Lost Legacy card show up. In a Grixis Control sideboard? Is that where it was? I believe so, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, the the fact that that card can get lands makes it interesting. I When I read it originally, I had just thought that it was sort of a uh, blue-black slaughter games. I passed over the fact that it could get Dark Depths and Wasteland or some other special non-basic land. It actually makes that card a little bit better. Yeah, me too. I just shortcut that mentally and didn't realize it didn't say land. And... It seems like they just put one of those in every fall set as like a safeguard for the standard format. So I just sort of just ignore those cards at this point. But this one does seem to have some applications. All right. So in addition to some crazy stuff going on in the challenge, there was some crazy stuff going on in the moto list too. Did you have did you have a chance to take a look at that? Not really. What did you see? The first thing that I noticed was that the the deck dump was really kind of small. When you look at the number of lists that got published, and that could like that could mean a few things. It could either mean that there's low volume with people playing leagues, or that the five O lists are really kind of high frequency for the lists that were more popular. Think Grixis Control and Miracles. If there's a small number of decks in the deck dump, it could either mean there's less people playing or that there's just a ton of those more popular lists going undefeated. I kind of think it's both. I think that if you look at the number of people that are playing in the Legacy Leagues right now, it's lower than it has been. One, because Guilds of Ravnica is or has been released and I think a lot more people are playing in the limited queues. Two... The meta is really sort of top-heavy. If you take a look at how well Miracles and Grixis Control are doing, they sort of eat up quite a bit of the field. I agree. I think that there's a reasonable chance, though, that because the league's turned over on Wednesday, that this is either pulling from the front or back half of that week. So this might just be a half sample. Okay. that It could also be that as well. But... There was a sort of Mardu mentor list, not Tide Hollow, Sculler, Colgan's Commandish, Mardu, Dead Guy style that you were talking about on one of our first casts, but a Queen Marchesa mess that I had to do a double take at. All right, I got it. Stoneforge Mystic? Yep. What the fuck? This is, this is like a value Mardu. I mean, Stoneforge, Dark Confidant, Queen Marchesa. It doesn't have Thalia's. This is like a spell-based deck. Oh, this is super interesting, man. Now, is this a deck that is just trying to find an edge against Miracles and Grixis Control? I mean, Stoneforge Mystic seems seems an interesting way to try to attack Grixis Control, so maybe it's not that. I, I really don't I don't understand the spot that this deck is trying to fill. It is kind of strange. So you can see that they're they're basically dead guy. Well, they're basically black white with the red coming in for Colagon's command, Marchesa, and two lightning bolts. They do they not even have pyroblasts in the board either? Because I would have agreed with that assessment if they if they had like three or four pyroblasts in the sideboard. No pyroblasts. They have two blood moon. And that's the only red card that they have in the sideboard, which is interesting 
because they're not playing a ton of basics. And I guess if they play Blood Boon, it turns on their Red Splash from their Dual Lands. This, this list was another one that when I read through it, I thought that it's really interesting. I can see it having a good matchup against Miracles because of its four different Lilianas. The Confidants and the fact that you can just play Marchesa to become the Monarch. Kind of like running out a naked Palace Jailer would allow you to draw extra cards. The Lingering Souls give you game against Grixis Control. I can imagine very few cards that would be as frustrating for that deck to fight through as Lingering Souls. You have him, Inquisition, Thoughtseize, and a very solid removal suite for the Death Shadow deck. You have four swords to plowshares and two pushes. It's really hard to sort of clear all of that out of the way with Thoughtseize. I can, I can see this being an out-of-left-field way of attacking Miracle's Grixis Control Shadow. I see where you're coming from, but I, I don't think that this is where this person was at because you have in the main deck four Swords to Plowshares and two Fatal Push, which I don't like in either of those matchups. I'm trying to trim those cards, Miracle's or Grixis Control. That's a lot of spot removal. They're not max Lightning Bolts to go upstairs, you know, so it's not a dead card against Miracles. You're not plowing a Snapcaster or whatever. This is a unique deck, I'll say that. Well, I could see how maybe they felt like they needed that number of removal spells to also be prepared to take on Shadow. So, if you understand that your removal is kind of going to be dead-ish against Miracles almost dead except against Gurmag Angler against Grixis then you just need to make sure that you have enough to take out so when you bring out your swords and pushes you you can make your deck a great game two and three deck and this deck is bringing in two Bitter Blossom two Blood Moon a Nahiri the Lithomancer and something else out of the sideboard to fight against miracles and grixis i feel like those slot perfectly into the deck for the dead removal against those two control decks all of the creatures are value creatures it's playing three liliana of the veil and one liliana of the last hope that's something that is so strong with how many baleful strix are floating around this metagame right now Baleful Strix is so good right now that there's an Omnitel deck that is running it. Now, I know that the, really the Black Splash is for Thoughtseize and Limduel's Vault, but having Baleful Strix just as a random cantrip to, to gain an extra turn or two in a combo shell shows how strong that card is right now and how you really need to be prepared to face it. Yeah, I don't know, man, because this is only one last hope. And I feel like if this person was really concerned about like the Snapcaster Strix reality that we're in right now, that they would definitely have Red Blast, right? I'm unsure why in the sideboard of this deck there aren't Red Blasts, other than that there are three Liliana of the Veil, and the plan could be just to grind down hands 
yeah where red elemental blast isn't as effective if you're playing in a low hand a low hand environment right like yeah you have four discard spells four targeted discard three him and three liliana of the veil so maybe pyroblast isn't as important in a shell like this yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to be playing against Sneak, but I, we haven't seen much Sneak lately anyway, so. That's absolutely true. So yeah, you were mentioning that blue-black Omni deck. I've actually played against, I believe, that same pilot quite a few times since the ban, probably three or four times. That deck seems really powerful to me. I, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen it pop into a top eight yet. Our friend Nick Cummings finished in the top eight of the SCG legacy classic in syracuse a few weeks ago with omnitel and he's been he's been having some good some good results with it so was that like this blue black limb duels vault list no it was just a regular mono blue list was thinking uh that i really haven't seen this list other than lejay or however you say this name playing it it's weird how some decks just don't get adopted, you know, even though they can have results. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Is there any other list you wanted to talk about here? No, I think that does it for everything that I wanted to talk about this week. I wanted to say thank you for all of the comments on Twitter and emails that we've received from people who've been listening to the cast. Quite a few people reaching out and telling us that they're excited for what we're doing, which is awesome. If you do like the cast and enjoy what we're doing, listening to us talk about Legacy and LobsterCon and pre-releases, definitely recommend us to a friend. It's the best way that you can help us get our content out there. And we thank everybody who's listening right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, subscribe, do all that shit. All right, where can people get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter at Ian18125. You can find me on Twitter at TSmileyMTG and the cast at DeadFormatCast. And you can email us, deadformatcast at gmail.com. It's a wrap.